0: Welcome to the Daily Bite. I'm your host, Pastor Steve Andrews. Today's psalm for us to look at is Psalm 32. I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to Yahweh, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Salah. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Surely, in the rush of great waters, they shall not reach him. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with shouts of deliverance. Salah. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curved with bit and bridle, or it will not stay near you. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in Yahweh. Be glad in Yahweh. And rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. This is the word of the Lord. Today's text is a penitential psalm. Penitence, the idea of repentance, connected there you can see the, the same root in the words. It is the idea that we confess our sins and God forgives. It's part of our regular routine together as we gather for worship in the Lord's house We open a service with confession and absolution that we confess our sin and the pastor responds with the words of Christ that our sin is forgiven in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We're actually going to see later in this psalm some of the words we use in confession and absolution together. As we started out, that word maskil seems to refer to penitential psalms here lumps it into a certain category of hymns, basically. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven. Whose sin is covered. Amen. Amen to that. Blessed. To be blessed by God is to have received something good from him. And that forgiveness is that very good thing here. It is that our sin has been taken away. Covered is the language of verse 1. How? It's a question for your children, especially the young ones, to get them thinking about how this happens, how this works. The question continues really when you get into verse 2 as well. Blessed is the man against whom Yahweh counts no iniquity in whose spirit there is no deceit you can just roll that how question forward how is it that god doesn't count iniquity against us so how is our sin forgiven no jesus died for us it's the easier answer it really is the same answer for the other how is our iniquity not counted against us because jesus took that iniquity he took that sin for us and he took it to the cross it's been crucified with him it is gone Covered by the blood of Christ. We have put on Christ, is another way maybe to say it. We've put on Christ and his righteousness, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. New Testament verses that talk about Jesus dwelling in us, or the spirit dwelling in us, there are several of those, and this connects. Christ is in you, and because Christ is in you, You live. Blessed is the man. Blessed. And we've received these great and fantastic gifts from Christ our Lord. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. The picture of decay. Of the body wearing down. Leading towards death. This is what sin does. This is what the guilt of our sin does. If it weren't for what Christ had done on the cross, the devil's hand would be over us. He would take that sin, he would dangle it above your head, and taunt you with it. Telling you how awful it was, how God could never possibly love you again after what you've done. God can't God can't forgive that. God can't take that away from you for the 17th time. Too many, too much. No. That's all been undone. But you can see, you can see how such temptations, how such doubts would weigh upon us, would be dangerous and difficult for our faith. David takes it even closer. Day and night, your hand. God's hand, heavy upon me, be thinking about the hand of judgment. Hand here not necessarily referring to, like when you look at your hand, but the capabilities that that gives. Just like the outstretched arm references in the Old Testament tend to refer to the God acting and fighting, and so here his hand has that same kind of a connotation to it. It's what he's doing with his hand. Not just the physical hand. It's not like God just laid his hand on David like you would lay your hand on the side of your chair. It's pressing down. David is being weighed down by the, the judgment of God upon his sin. He feels it. His strength is dried up by as as though it were the heat of summer. If you worked a hot summer's day before outside... You you know what you feel like when the day is done. You're exhausted. I acknowledged my sin to you, confession. He put it before the Lord. I did not cover my iniquity. Here's a question for those older children: What happens when we try? What happens when we try to hide our sin from God? The first thing is is it's foolish of us. It's not to say we don't try. I mean, we're still sinners. But we can't hide our sins from God. He knows our very thoughts. And for the Christian, that's a good thing. It means he knows us, he loves us, and he provides all that we need before we even know that we need it. But when we try to hide our sins, we go right back to verses 3 and 4, wasting away under despair and guilt, instead of getting to enjoy the life of forgiveness that Christ has given 5b i said i will confess my transgressions to yahweh to the lord you forgave the iniquity of my sin this is one where you want to stop and ask your children if they've heard those words before does that sound familiar it might because if you look at divine service setting three and setting five we say those words together in church so divine service setting 3 it's called the exhortation it's right at the beginning of the service your pastor will say beloved in the lord let us draw near with a true heart and confess our sins unto god our father beseeching him in the name of our lord jesus christ to grant us forgiveness our help is in the name of the lord church responds who made heaven and earth pastor says I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord. And the people respond, And you forgave the iniquity of my sin. See those words right there? Divine service, setting three. And divine service, setting five. I don't know that five is used as frequently, but I'm pretty sure three is the most common, or at least close to the most commonly used of the divine service settings in our hymnal today. Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. It's another one you might want to ask your kids. When can God be found? When is David telling us to pray to God? The next phrase is part of the hint here. Surely in the rush of great waters they shall not reach him. Can you remember a time in the history of scripture where there was a rush of great water? Uh, They might say something like the, the Red Sea being parted and then closing in again. And I guess that works, because what happened to those who were still in the sea when the waters closed? The same thing that happened in the Great Flood. In Genesis chapter 6 when God wiped out all the evil on this earth but chose to spare through the ark and the water eight people this is a picture of judgment when may God be found any time prejudgment but if you wait until God's judgment has come it will be too late it was too late when the ark was sealed the fate of those, I don't know, that fate's not necessarily a Christian word, a biblical word. The outcome, the judgment of those who rejected God and rejected the offer of salvation aboard the ark. Who mocked Noah as he built it or ignored it altogether. Ignored the word of God. Their judgment was sealed. It was done. And as the waters rose... We can imagine how they might have started trying to get aboard the ark, seeking shelter with none to be had. This is what it's going to be like on the last day when Christ returns. Philippians 2 says it very plainly, that every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, but not everyone will be saved. It will be too late, just as it was too late when the ark closed and the rains began. So pray to God when he may be found is is now. He can be found now. Most likely, he can be found tomorrow too. We don't know that for certain, though. There's no guarantee Jesus could come back today. And if he does, the time is done. The mighty rushing water, it won't be a literal flood like it was all those many years ago. But the judgment, as God puts an end to this creation and and begins it welcomes us into the new heaven and the new earth you are a hiding place for me you preserve me from trouble you surround me with shouts of deliverance this is the picture of God's provision we saw quite a bit of this in chapter 31 of Psalms yesterday God hides his people That's a a way to protect, that they cannot be harmed because the enemy cannot find them. Surround me with shouts of deliverance. Interesting phrase. It could be two different ways. We could think of perhaps the battle at Jericho, which wasn't really much of a battle as the Israelites surrounded the city. They shouted and blew the trumpet and the city walls came crashing down. God's voice does stuff. And so the picture of God crying out in battle and victory to save his servant could be. And so then we think of Jesus on the cross as he breathes his last and gives up his spirit. Those seven words of the cross that are often a focus of the Lenten season in congregations would certainly be fitting. But it could also be the celebration of those delivered. And so then we think of something like Palm Sunday and the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem as all the people are shouting for their king. They're shouting for this man who has come to deliver them. I've skipped it over three times now. Salah. S-E-L-A-H. We don't actually know what this word means. It, it's some kind of a musical notation, perhaps indicating a pause, uh, maybe indicating a repetition of some kind. We, we just don't know for sure, but it's in the Bible, so we leave it there. We don't want to just erase it. These were hymns, these were music for the congregation to sing the choir master, and the people would have known what to do with them. So we respect it for that, um, even if we don't necessarily know how to use it today. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. And we get some of that counsel, some of that instruction for the rest of this hymn. This would appear to be David teaching. That David is the I, and you is me and you. Uh, he is seeking to teach us. The ways of God and to give us counsel, even now, even all these many years later. I suppose you could take the I here as being the Lord and the U as being King David. It doesn't fit with the greater context quite as smoothly, verse 1, for example, or even verse 11, which do seem to be David himself addressing us. So David's going to show us. What's be? Who to be? How to live? Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding that must be curbed with bit and bridle, or it will not stay near. So these animals would run away if you did not train them. They would be of no good, no use to you. They're just animals. They just act on instinct. As people, as God's creation, we're not to be that way. We are to have understanding. We are to be wise. That was a major emphasis in the book of Proverbs. Be wise, have discerning. We are curbed by the law, by the word of God, but it also disciplines us, it also encourages us to learn and to know our God and his ways and what he believes to be good what he says to be good for us. Many are the sorrows of the wicked. The evil that they do brings evil back upon them. When you cheat on your neighbor's spouse, bad stuff happens with your neighbor. When you kill somebody in your community, bad stuff happens to you as well as to that that family. But steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in Yahweh. This is God's faithfulness to us, his mercy upon us. Notice why. It's trust. It's not because we do great things. It's not even because we have great understanding. It's by trust. It's a gift. right? Verse 1, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven. We can't do that. It's given. Blessed is the one whose sin is covered. I can't cover my sin. But Jesus has. So we trust. We, it's faith. We are saved by grace through faith. It is not of works, so that no man may boast. Be glad in Yahweh. Rejoice, O righteous. Shout for joy, all you upright in heart. That goes back perhaps to verse 7, the shouts of deliverance that David mentioned there. Uh, Join me in shouting. Praise God. Indeed, our gladness is in the Lord. And we do. We rejoice. We take joy again and again and again because of what God has done for us, because Christ loves us, because he died on the cross to forgive us and take away our sins. Thanks be to God. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks to God in all circumstances, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 to 18.